thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Before I jump into the word today, I would like to just honor your pastors. Uh, and, and, the, and of course, you know, we all love your pastors, but David and Renata, in, in all sincerity, and that, I think this is important for you to, as a church, um, to understand. And you know this, but I think it's good when a guest speaker comes in and says it. But David and Renata are two of the most respected, um, humble, sincere, praying leaders that I know in my life. And I, I she even shared with David a little while ago. I get really nervous. I've been here a couple times. I actually get really nervous when I'm here. And I'm like, why am I so nervous? Like, I my heart, first service, man, I was, I was sweating. My heart's beating out of my chest. And I know God's moving. You know, that's part of it. But I, I realized I get, a little, I get a little anxious because I respect David and Renata so deeply. Like, their opinion, their thoughts, their words into my life mean so much. Um, and I just, I just want to tell you both that I am incredibly honored uh, on behalf of me and my pastor, my wife. Um, I, we just want you to know how much we love and respect you and are excited about the future. And I do believe that you're one of the nation's leaders. And I believe that you're going to have, you're going to fill that building filled with prayer. It's going to, people are going to come from all over the world to pray with you and to be inspired and to be touched by God. I think there's a whole new move of God. There's a, there's a fresh move of the Holy Spirit that I think that I'm going to use David's words because these are the words he uses with me. He said he's believing in the next decade uh, to be a part of a, a movement of praying churches, right? Praying people, but praying churches, churches who know how to pray, churches who know how to believe. I believe the local church is the hope of the world, but not if it doesn't pray because the, we have to have a connection with Jesus, you know? So I want to thank you both. And I want to thank you for not just while you've been here, but I've known David since, <clears throat> I mean, the, the mid nineties, which some of you didn't exist then. So just, just feel that for a minute. Some of you weren't on the earth. Um, I've known David since he was a youth pastor and we youth pastored at the same time and we led two different movements. And I, I want to tell you in a spirit of longevity and in a spirit of sincerity, you have great pastors. They're the real deal. Would you please clap your hands and tell this family how much you love them? Amen. Well, well today you can, you can turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter one and, and just kind of get ready. But I, I do think that it's, a, it's an incredible season. I love these moments when things are about to change. Uh, I think that God is setting the stage for you uh, for something that is going to be phenomenal. Uh, and in times of transition, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in transitions, but there's a lot of things that can go right in transitions, especially if you stay connected to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit wants only success for you and for your house. So it is going to be a great, a great season. I'm going to preach on Joshua today because... I think that you are in a Joshua season. Uh, I love the book of Joshua. Okay, So if you've never read the book of Joshua or you're not too familiar with it, it's a book of action. It's actually a, a whole book of military conquest. If, you, if, if it was an on-demand movie, it would be in the action genre. You know what I mean? It is filled with battles, but not just battles, but strategy. It's filled with prayer. 
It's filled with revelations about holy ground. Jesus makes an appearance in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua, and he directs Joshua on how to fight Jericho, if you know that story. It's a Christophany, um, uh, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament, though he doesn't reveal himself. Powerful story. Uh, Joshua is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. People have been using the book of Joshua, even in the secular world, over the centuries to learn about how to fight actual real battles that have been fought on earth. People have studied it. It's an incredible leadership book. But more than anything else, the book of Joshua is the story of God's people occupying God's promise. Isn't that awesome? I mean, don't we in life, isn't that what we're here to do? Is to occupy the promises of God and believe for the promises of God and to press into the promises of God like you are right now. Um, I, I love this book. So I'm going to read this to you. I want you to notice in the first six verses, and I, I have a whole nother thought that I would love to preach sometime, but I've never preached it. It's just what I'm going to call the, 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 uh, the wills of God. There are six times that, that the author uses the word will. The word will, like the word shall, if you're an attorney or you understand contracts, the word will or shall in a contract is a legal term. It means that it's going to happen, right? So when, you, when a contract is signed, this is, what it's, this is what is going to happen and it can't be changed. And I love the spirit of this. I'll start in verse one and point out a couple of those and then we'll keep moving. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. And incredible stories about Joshua. Even as a young man, you may not know his story, but he was more than an aide. He was a disciple. He was a, a son, in a sense. Uh, when Moses was meeting with God in the, in the tent of meeting, is what they called it, when the, the presence of God would appear, Joshua would hide in the corner and just learn what it was like to be in the presence of God. And I see the young people in here today, and I think the Lord's going to, I just feel so prophetic. Is this okay? Like, I just feel, I just feel the, the young people learning what it means to cultivate the presence of God in the days ahead. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit spirit on your church. Um, but anyways, it goes on. So uh, Joshua was much more than an aide. I don't like the way that it's translated there. Verse two, Moses, my servant is dead. Huge statement, huge transition in the world, a huge transition in human history. Now then you, Joshua, and all these people, you need to get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Verse three, I will, everyone say will, because I want you to, um, we're just going to say the word will as I go through this, because I, I want you to see this. I want you to believe this. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Now, again, some of this I can't talk about today, but just like there are also some boundaries here. So in this, these verses, he says everywhere where you set your foot that he's going to give you, but that he also gives them some boundaries, right? Of what it is going to be and what it is not going to be. And one of the, the great lessons in the kingdom of God is put your foot where God points. Don't put it anywhere else. Just go where God's, God's moving. I want to go where he's going. You feel me? This is, this is how, cause you know, there's some battles we want to fight. Some we don't want to fight. God's going to put boundaries on us. Boundaries are as important as freedom. So I got to stop there. Another message. I will give you every place where you set your foot. Verse four, your territory will, everyone say will, will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates. So here are some of the boundaries and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. 
Verse five, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to the inherited, uh, to inherit the land that I swore to the ancestors that I would give them. Uh, And uh, let me pray. Father, I thank you for today. I pray that there would be a blessing on this house. And I pray that today, what an exciting month, miracle month, that there's a transition in seasons. There's a transition in, uh, in the kinds of battles and the kinds of ground that the church is going to take. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing here. I pray you bless this house. Bless every man, woman, and child. Bless the leaders. Bless the elders. Bless the staff and the team as they prepare to cross the Jordan. It's going to be an incredible journey. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Okay, so I do believe that. I believe that God is um, is setting the stage for you. And what I want to do is I'd like to... I'd like to define a couple of words. Now, in the book of Joshua, they talk a lot about taking ground. Now, they say it different ways. That's the way I'm saying it. But there, but there is two kinds of ground that, that appear in the book of Joshua. And you learn to define it as you go through. There's some ground over here that we can take. But then there's promised ground over here. And what God wants us to do is know what the promise is so that we know what ground we're supposed to take. Because if you know what ground you're supposed to take, you also know what strategy you're supposed to use. You also know what battles you're not supposed to fight. It's very important. I think one of the great tests of leadership is not knowing that there are battles ahead, but it's knowing which battles to fight and which ones not to fight. If if you want to be in leadership, one of the things you learn in leadership is that praying leadership is not praying for an open door in your life. Leadership is when you have many open doors in your life, but as a leader, you have to discern which door to walk through. And it's very important because actually Joshua learns this when you get into chapter five, because in chapter five, when he's about to face the first of the seven cities that he has to conquer, which is Jericho, we all know Jericho, he has an, Jesus appears to him and stops him in his track and says, and says, hold on a minute. Uh, And you know, Joshua, the story, if you know the story, he doesn't recognize him, doesn't know who he is. He says, who are you? Are you for me or against, against me? The guy goes, he says, ah, I'm neither. Joshua says, well, that's not an answer. Are you for me or against me? Because I'm going to Jericho. The guy goes, mm, neither. Isn't that a horrible answer when you get that from God? Have you ever had that? Lord, what do you want me to do? Neither. It's not an answer. But then he says this. He says, however, if you knew where you were, you'd take off your shoes right now because you're on holy ground. And the key to our battles ahead is not just knowing which one. The strategy comes from God. We have to know that holy ground is the key to what we're about to face. God will speak to you on how to fight, where to fight, what ground is yours, what strategies to use. This is one of the great messages of Joshua. So taking ground. Taking ground is a military phrase in the book that means to advance, to accomplish, to occupy a space. That is formally controlled by another force. I believe that in your city, like in my city, we are to advance. Can everyone just say yes? Yes. Come on. I like when we, I'm I'm a talker. We talk a lot. I'm a Hawaiian Filipino. Um, I'm really loud or I don't say anything for weeks. It's the, it's both sides of my heritage. Um, So, but we're, we're supposed to advance. We're supposed to move forward, but we have to know where we're moving. So here's where we're moving. The second phrase is taking promised ground, occupying the promises of God that God has made you as a son or daughter and as an heir in Christ. 
And the reason why knowing the promise that he has for you is so important is because in the promise, the promise is the only place where the full backing of God and the full provision of God exists for you. It's when you're in the promise that you have the provision and the backing of the Holy Spirit. And God is constantly trying to get us to believe for the promise and move in the promise so that he can back us, that he can move armies out of the way, so that he can create holy ground so we can have conversations. So we have to know that we're moving in the promised ground because in the promised ground there is provision. I'm going to go through a couple verses and a couple thoughts will be done today. Number one, taking promised ground requires a call. Verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua. So after Moses is gone, the Lord speaks to Joshua. To move into the promise, you have to have a word from God. The, the word from God and the promise of God requires a call. I mean, Moses is now gone. Can you imagine following Moses? Let's just keep it real. Moses led the people. Moses... Uh, separated oceans. Moses had a magic Moses stick. He would beat things and water would gush out of stuff and he would wiggle. I don't know what he did. I wasn't there. You know, quail running around in the desert and manna, you know, popping up in the dew in the morning. And, and you just kind of go year after year after year and you're watching, you have all of this. They had this dependency on Moses and you're watching the dependency on Moses. And if you're Joshua, you're in the tent and God's dealing with Moses and the Ark of the Covenant is there and you're hiding in the corner and you're like, oh Lord, I'd never want to take his place. <laughs> it's too much pressure. And then Moses is gone. And, if, and when you find yourself in a place where you have to lead something over something or through something, you've got to hear from God for yourself. God knows that. God knows who you are. God knows you need to hear his voice. So Joshua hears God and God tells him what's going to happen. And this is the moment. It's the word of God. It's the call of God that actually changes something inside of you. It's a, it's a change that's supernatural. It's a new season with a fresh word. But from the moment that you get a fresh word, you transition from a Moses season to a Joshua season. It's in the word. Now, why this is important is because the Joshua generation, they had a whole new battle ahead of them. It was a completely different world for Joshua. Uh, Joshua understood that he had to have a word because you can't fight a Joshua generation battle. And I'll explain this with a Moses strategy. You've got to have a something fresh and the people don't follow. You see, we, we read this and we think that the people would have followed Moses. They, I, I personally don't think they would have because I think the writing was on the wall for a long time. So you have to understand that when Moses came out of Egypt, when God's people came out of Egypt, at this point in the journey, there are only two people left that were of 20 years older over from when they came out of Egypt because there's, there's nobody left. They've all died. There's nobody left. And as a matter of fact, there was a census that was taken right before they went across the Jordan River. And in that census, the census counted 600. This is not exactly. I think it's 601,000 and like 132 or something like that. And it's in the Bible. There's, they did a census, but it was only the men of fighting age. 
So imagine this. There's 600,000 men of fighting age. That doesn't include the men who are not of fighting age. And it doesn't include any of the women or any of the children. So you're talking about between two and three million people. And none of them were in slavery. Most of them were born along the way in the wilderness. And so if we're preaching slavery to a generation that never experienced it, they're not going to have the same sort of vision for. So in Moses, the whole time he kept think, talking about, oh, the people who were with us in Egypt and the people who were with us, you know, in the wilderness and Joshua. And there's, there's like two million people going, none of us were there. Grandpa Moses is telling the same story again. <laughs> But a Joshua generation, they need their own stories. God knows this. You got to get fired up. Some of you people who have been setting up and tearing down. How old is the church? How many years? What are you? Six years. Some of you have been tearing, tearing this place down, setting it up for six years. I came in this morning. I saw the trailer and I thought one day that trailer is going to be a food truck. Let's go. No more, no more setup. I see the curtains. hate curtains. Church, church planters have a, a love hate relationship with curtains. You, you know what I mean? One day you're not, you're not going to have to set those up anymore, you know, and you're going to be able to, maybe this is what we did. We gave ours away. Of course we've given everything away. We just, um, I, I wish I was joking. My, one of my, we welcome Elliot Sawyer. He's with me today. My, my associate, uh, my executive pastor. We just, we just give everything away. We just give it away. Someday you're going to be able to give all those curtains to a church planner. And as you're doing it, you're like, we're going to be praying for you. You know what I mean? Some of you are going to be like a hundred years old and with the next generation. You're going to be like, I remember when we were in that event center, you know, and we had to set up that stupid LED wall in the snow. You know what I mean? And your great grandkids are going to be going, oh, grandpa's telling the story about the LED wall again in, the, in 10 miles in the snow to set that up, you know? And so it's a, it's a completely different genre of world that Joshua is dealing with. And it started, though, with a word. God said to Joshua, guess what? You're up. And this is what we're going to do. And then reminds him of the promise. And Joshua had to go through. And this is what I think is going to happen to all of you. Because now some of you, some of you, um, you know, maybe you're new in the church. You will have only been here a year, year and a half of setup. And then you guys are going to get into this big, beautiful building. It's, it's like 9 million square feet, you know, and you're going to be like, I don't even remember set up and tear down. You know what I mean? And so, but you're along the way, you've joined the journey. And what's going to happen is you have a whole new set of challenges that are ahead, but they're going to be amazing. They're going to be incredible. And you're going to have to, you're still going to have to fight. You're still going to have to believe. You're still going to have to pray, right? But I believe that prayers are going to change. I do. Because I think that the prayers that you pray when you are trying to run from something are not the same prayers you pray when you're running into something. It's different. And if you don't leave those old strategies behind, you will still be running from the enemy behind you that's not there long after you should be removing the enemies in front of you that you've been called to displace. But it all starts with the word. And I was thinking about this this week. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been friends with David for a long time. 
He's a very passionate person, right? He's very passionate. He inspires me. So I remember it was about three years ago. I, I actually, I don't want to get the dates wrong. Everything I say from this point forward is heresy. It's your job to fix it later. Because I, I don't know the story exactly, but I know that it was a, what, what year did you first sit at that shop? What year was it? How long ago? Yeah. Okay, a year ago. Okay. So David, David's telling me this story. So your pastor, who's a real man of God, so he's sitting at this, this bakery, right, uh, called McLean's. Right? How many of you have been to McLean's? Anybody know McLean's? Okay. So he's sitting at this bakery. Um, I just went there, and I'm actually filled with carbs, which is my issue right now. I'm just so ready to go. Um, so he, he goes to McLean's, and he's sitting there doing his devotion, and he's got his... He's sitting at a table and he's got his prayer journal open. And um, I'm sure that surprises you, the prayer journal. Um, so he's sitting there and God speaks to him. And God says, miracle building. Miracle building. I remember when God spoke that to us. When God spoke that to us, in the first five years of our church, we had 26 locations. I want you to feel that. Breathe that in. Pray for my healing. Not 12, 26. Actually, 26 was our last, is our building now. But we had, we had 25 locations. I mean, you can imagine at one point, we had a different location every single week for 12 weeks in a row. And it's incredible because I literally, this is not a joke. For preaching, I'm telling you the truth. Every Sunday at the end of the service, I would say, I love you. You know, my wife loves you. Jesus loves you. You guys are incredible. And next week, if you can find us, you can worship with us. God bless you guys. Have a good day. That's how I would end every service. And people would laugh and then I would go cry. No. Because it was the truth. No, it was the honest truth. But you know what's interesting is that every week people found us. And every week, Every week the church grew. And then you wake up one day and you realize that church growth is not in the building, it's in the promise. And if you live in the promise, then your provision is in the promise, your backup is in the promise, God's in the promise. You don't need buildings, you just need Jesus and you need a promise. And we just went, and then one day we got everything stolen. I mean, everything stolen. We got robbed. Someone broke into a facility a gated facility. They cut the locks off our trailers. They had a big truck. They hooked everything up to trucks. They had to have electric, you know, grinders to get the locks off. We come in on a Sunday morning. My AV guy calls me. You know, the AV guys are interesting. Is there an AV? AV guys are, here's the, here's, here's, here's the AV guys. Nobody costs you more money than the AV guy. Because everything the AV guy asks you for, it costs 100000 It's like, yeah, we need all new in-airs with the screens and the fire, the fire thing and the old electric. How much is that? That's 100 grand, Pastor Doug, Pastor Dave. You know. But so the AV guy, I felt a little bit like I was getting back at him, but that's a horrible thing to say. He calls me, he says, Pastor Doug, never good news. Everything got stolen. It's like six in the morning. What do you mean? It's all gone. It's all gone. Everything. It got stolen. They broke in. They cut the locks. They drove away. We have nothing left. We don't have a bucket. We don't have an instrument. We don't have a kid's sign. You know? Nothing. And I'm sitting there going, how are we going to have church? Like, how is this going to happen? So we all show up at the, at the hotel. We were at a hotel. And um, 
the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said, where is your provision? Is it in the signs? And it's funny too, because you know, I, okay, imagine this flow with me. You're a pastor. You start a church. Everything gets stolen. How many of you know I had a right to have a little bit of a bad attitude towards somebody? You know what I mean? Like I'm human. And I'm Asian Hawaiian. Like, that's a weird mix. Like, I was like, God's good. Kill him. You know, I was like, oh, you know, the, the kids signs, the kids signs had my kids faces on the sign. So I was like, I wanted my, my kids to come out in their dreams and just find them, Lord. You know, I'm like, and then I'm like, oh, God's good. Um, God speaks to me and says, where is your provision? Where's your provision? I said, it's in you. Then the Lord says to me. Get everybody in the, in the hotel. We had, we had nothing. Wave, we're waving on the street. Church is here, you know. So get him in a room, take an offering, and give it away. I thought, okay. So we get everybody in the room, and I say to our little church, we were, we were pretty new. I think we only had about 100 people or so. And I said, today, everything has been stolen, but our provision is not in a trailer. It's not in a hotel. It's not in a bank account. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to trust the Lord. And we're going to take the largest offering that our little church has ever taken. We're going to take an offering and we're going to drive it to a church plant up the freeway. And we're going to give it to them. And so we took an offering and it was a few thousand bucks. And at that time, that was a lot of money. And when I saw the number, I thought, Lord, <laughs> couldn't you have said 30% <laughs> or even 50%? No, so we're going to give it. And we took that, we gave that offering to a pastor named Aaron Stern. I don't know if you know Pastor Aaron Stern. The day that we got everything stolen was the day that his church plant was launching. And from that moment on, we had to learn a lesson. And that is that the lesson is in the promise. The lesson is in the word. What did God speak? What did God say? And, and it's been an incredible journey where we find ourselves dispelling enemies and people getting saved and but it's in, the, it's in the promise and it's in the word. So I said to David, tell me, how did this happen? He goes, oh, I'm sitting at McLean's and I'm at this little table and God speaks to me and says, miracle building. I said, I remember when we got our miracle building. We had 25 locations and then it happened and God was good and it's changed our life. It's a new day. And he's like, yeah. But he was told that they didn't have enough money to buy these buildings. You know, one of the buildings, the building that you guys are gonna be in is... Uh, you know, it's like a $15 million property, you know, and you've got four or $5 million. I'm not sure what the loan is, but you know, that's a lot of money, but it's not enough for that. And so you're, you're contending, you're believing. Fast forward one year, fast forward one year, David is back at McLean's and he's sitting at the same table and he's, he's praying, he's talking to God and he gets on a FaceTime, he gets on a FaceTime with the real estate agent. And the real estate agent says to him on the FaceTime, Pastor David, I have to tell you something. And he says, what he goes, this is a quote. He said, everything has changed. Everything has changed. This is a miracle. Only God can do this. And then he proceeds to tell Pastor David, that the owner of this building has decided to sell Radiant Church this property. 
And I just remember thinking, this is, this is incredible. You guys are standing on the edge of the river and you're walking into the river. And this moment is so special. It really needs to be remembered. So if you're here today, next week, the week after, this is an incredible time. You need to remember this. I remember when Joshua went into the river, he actually took, um, they took stones and they made a memorial to remember what it is that God had said. And um, David just kept telling me the story. Have you ever seen David get really pumped? When David gets pumped, man, he's just like... You know, he's talking about what God did, what God's doing. He keeps telling me about the prayer journal. He's like, do you have a prayer journal? I get you a prayer journal. I'm like, okay. You know, and it's like, got the table. I'm sitting at the table. My family's over here. We're doing devotion. We're at the table. We're at the table. And I kept thinking to myself, I need to, I need to find a way to help you remember, you know, what God said and what God did. And I wanted to get you a pre-move-in housewarming gift, but it has to be something prophetic. So with the help, with the help of, of Taylor and, and Jess, and the owners of McLean's, I bought the table. And I'd like to bring the table out. This, this is the table. So church, Renata, this, this is the exact table where God spoke to your pastor, Miracle Building. This is my version of, of being a priest for you and carrying a stone out of the Jordan River and placing it on this side as a remembrance. And it was a little awkward trying to get this. <laughs> so after they closed, this is really awkward. After they closed, we went back and there was a door open. And Elliot says, let's just take it. And then call them later. And I was like, bro, you can't do that. Okay, let's go. No, I'm just joking. That's not what happened. Um, we got together with uh, a couple of wonderful people in your church. And they contacted the owners. And, um, and you know, this, is, this is, and I, I didn't know what to do. This is kind of like giving somebody a puppy. It's like <laughs> you give them a puppy and then you leave. I don't know what, what you're going to do with it. <laughs> but maybe you'll find a place for it. But this is the exact table where God not only spoke miracle building, but it's also where the building uh, promise was fulfilled. And um, I just believe that this is a prophetic, a prophetic symbol to you that you have gone from a Moses. I remember you as a youth Moses. I remember you as a prayer Moses. I, but now I believe that you're a Joshua and this is a Joshua generation. And you're about to find holy ground in this place before Jesus and then what's going to happen is that every single thing that God has put in your hearts of where he wants you to go and the land he wants you to take, I believe that you're going to get there because of who you are and what God has said. So all of it starts with a word. Can I hear an amen? Okay. I have, I have eight, I have like, I have four minutes and 49, 48, 47, 46, um, and I have eight points. So we're not going to get to the rest of my message. Okay. Um, but I will, I will make a couple of comments and then I want to pray. Um, so let me give you just point number two. Taking promised ground requires a Jordan River. Now then, you and all these people, everyone say, that's us. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them. Get ready to cross means uh, uh, having a new kind of faith, a fresh faith that matches the land that you're about uh, to occupy. There were two miracles that these people knew about, two big miracles. One of them was a, 
was a Red Sea miracle where Moses parted the Red Sea. The other miracle was, was this one, a Joshua miracle, but it would be different. And um, what I will say to you about faith, about faith is that many people in faith, they want a Moses miracle all the time. All right. So they just want to, they want to face a problem and they want the waters to part. They want to wave the magic Moses stick, the waters part and everybody goes across on dry land. Okay. That's not the way it always works. When you're a Joshua generation, sometimes you have to go into the water before it parts. And I've watched you, even with your giving, and I was getting some, you guys have given and sowed, and there'll be more in the future, but you have waded in together, and, and it's amazing. And when, when you're running from something, wave sticks, but when you're running into something, cross rivers, take cities, it's a different journey. God wants to come and strengthen you and bless you and give you the anointing that you need and the time that you need to pray and to uh, experience God in a way that you never have. And here's my belief. And David and Renata, I want you to come and uh, just, just come on up here. And I don't know if any of your, well, yeah, let me have your son come. I don't know the rest of the kids. I'm, if any of them are here, I don't know, Dawson or the daughters are probably in kids ministry. Uh, they're serving. Good, good. They need to serve. Good kids. Uh, you're going to be the representative, okay? I want you to stand on, just joking. Um, come closer, come closer, come closer. There is another, we're going to pray. There's another story that I can't tell you, but, but me and Elliot at 845 last night, knowing that all the fabric stores close at nine, running into fabric stores, do you have any do you have any ribbon material? That's all I'm going to say. The looks we got. Okay. I just, I, just, I just believe that this is the first stone on this side of the Jordan as you guys go forward. This is your memorial stone. And church, I'm going to have you stand because I got to wrap this up. I want you to stand. And I'd like you to even lift your hands up like this towards the front. Um, the Bible talks about hands, holy hands, support, laying on of hands. And this is what we're doing. And I just want to pray for you and for your pastors and for this house as we wrap this up today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you spoke to David at this table. I thank you, Lord, that he had, along with his wife and his family, they had the the holy ground spirit enough to say, we believe that you will do what you said. I thank you, Father, that you will do and you will provide and you will give this house the land that you have promised. And for us, we, we've been around long enough. Land is, is not just dirt. Land is a spiritual word. It means people. It means souls. It means the kingdom of God. It means salvation. It means worship services that are so deep and powerful that angels ascend and descend and there are tears that stain the altar of our buildings that we build with our hands that God provided for. Father, we thank you today that there is a move of God in this table. We thank you, Jesus, that there is an, there is an anointing as they face forward, as Radiant Church faces the future. You have great things for them. And your land will go from this side of the city to that side of the city, and it will actually go 
all over the nation. You have fruit from around the world and there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this place. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, God, for the move of God. I see that first service. I see that grand opening. I see that moment. I see the hands lifted. I see the worship. I see that Jesus is being lifted up and glorified and something special is going to happen in that moment. God, you are doing a new thing. And today we thank you for Joshua. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done in the past for this church. But today we look forward and we build a memorial and we say, yes, God, in the name of Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus and all of Radiant Church shouted a big amen. Come on, you guys shout amen. Put your hands together. Tell God you love him. There you go. Love you. Oh, wait, I forgot. I forgot. I also don't want to miss this moment. So the Pearl Church wants to just put $5,000 on the table because, because I believe that, that when you're in the promise, when you're in the promise, all of the provision of God, this is a symbol from us to you. We're going to give more, by the way. But, but I, just, I wanted to just put something there to say the provision is in the promise. And uh, so this is from the Pearl Church. That's it. Okay. You're welcome. I love you. Here you go. You preach. She wants to prophesy. She wants to prophesy. Miss anything? Amen. Praise God. Wow. It's a good Sunday, huh? Middle of a miracle. And uh, I believe that God is doing the things that you said. And thank you for that. Thank you for staying in step with the Holy Spirit, delivering a now message. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, we're grateful. We're grateful for the whole family of the Pearl Church in Denver. We love you and Donna and the whole team. Love you so much. Thank you. Hey, let's have the prayer team go ahead and come forward. and Let's just go ahead and close this out in prayer. We'll pray over our offering. Ushers, if you want to come forward. Um, Jesus, we love you. living in your goodness and your kindness. It's so much better to follow Jesus than to follow our own selfish ambitions. And you're so good. Father, we ask that this word would live inside of us. Father, we pray as we head into a new season. We ask, Lord Jesus, would you provide new miracles? God, we ask, Lord Jesus, that the lost be saved. Saved would be discipled. Discipled, get equipped, empowered, filled, encouraged, and then mobilized to reach our generation in Kansas City. Jesus, do miracles far beyond, far beyond what we could even imagine. Thank you for every single thing that Doug was saying as he was helping us pioneer this new season. We receive it. Maybe you're in the room today or online and you desire to become a disciple. You're done living for self. You desire to follow Jesus. We want to invite you, if you would, just, just pray this prayer and begin that journey. Jesus, save me. 
I give you my life. I want to follow you. Make me a new person. Fill me with your spirit. I want to spend eternity with you. I say yes to you today. And God, take what we give. We give cheerfully, we give gladly. And God, I just thank you. God, I'm just, I'm blown away how you just keep providing. You just keep doing it. You're better than we can imagine. We love the school. We love this space. We love the building that you're providing. And you're just doing it. You just keep blowing our minds with the way you just keep providing. We just keep hearing a hundred little miracles that add up to one supernatural God that provides for his people. So we honor you today. Take what we give. We give cheerfully and gladly. In Jesus' name.